I guess more than anything, we want our younger students to settle into their studies at Girls' Grammar and not feel the pressure of grades the minute they're in the door. We hope that one of the happy consequences will of course be the uncoupling of assessment with anxiety and perfectionism and those kinds of things. And feedback from parents and girls has been really incredibly positive and it makes for such a lovely start to high school. Welcome to Illumine, where we explore issues of interest and importance in education. I'm Jacinda Isla, Principal of Brisbane Girls Grammar School and your host. Today I'm speaking with David Rawson, our Head of Curriculum Development in the English Department here at Girls Grammar. He is a self-professed lover of language, he's devoted to the teaching of English and he certainly believes most resolutely in the power of literacy and learning to transform lives. Don't we all, David? Uh, David has a first class honours degree from the University of Queensland and also interestingly he spent a year at Harvard University in the Graduate School of Education on a fellowship. Most importantly for our conversation today, however, he has a very deep interest in the importance and I guess power of student assessment. So David, welcome to our conversation. Thank you, Jacinda. So today I'd like to talk to you about feedback and obviously you've written quite extensively about its place in the classroom and in learning and of course for all of us in our lives more broadly. Professionally, we're always receiving feedback. If we've got children, we get lots of feedback. But talking about how this feedback can improve learning is important to us. Particularly, I think if we start with those year seven students, they're coming into secondary school, it's a major adjustment and they're starting to receive perhaps more advanced, more specific feedback from their teachers and, and that can naturally be quite daunting. What is it about student assessment that excites you and, dare I say, even inspires you, David? In my mind, at least, student assessment is really the payoff for the investment that we've made in our students and their learning. It's the culmination of our hard work and theirs. And when you look closely, there's often little literary gems that you and she have nurtured really across the course of the term. You've seen the piece develop from day one and, and suddenly it's finished. And often the assessment is so impressive that it can inspire joy or it can make us hopeful for what our girls will achieve beyond girls' grammar when they graduate. I guess in some ways it almost feels radical to celebrate the concept of assessment though. I mean, for students and, and families the world over, it might evoke memories of you know, late nights spent finessing um, assignments or studying before an important exam. And for teachers too, there's undoubtedly a sense that assessment is a really considerable undertaking, all of the preparation to make sure that our students are ready for the task, you know, the work of tackling the marking and the reporting the progress to girls and families. But you know, I think that in spite of all the baggage that comes with a word like assessment, there's something really inspiring about seeing small incremental improvements or noticing that a little seed of an idea in an early plan or a rough draft has sprouted and become something genuinely thought-provoking. I'd say the other exciting prospect about assessment, of course, is that it helps us all become better teachers. If I look at a student's response to an essay question, for instance, 
I'll see evidence of the, the teaching that underpins that. I might notice a, a small pattern of misunderstanding or something that tells me that I need to pivot. Maybe I need to teach some content again or support a particular student to develop her skills. What a rewarding process. Mm, feedback that helps you to improve in your teaching, That's not right. just them and their learning. I think you referred to the parents and obviously they, particularly if their child is starting in secondary school, so they will come with their history and perceptions of assessment from their own experience. And they're also very eager to know how their daughters are traveling. How are they performing? How do they perhaps sit alongside others? What are the sorts of questions that you find new families, and by new I mean new to secondary school, what sort of questions do they have for their teachers when their daughters begin? I think transitioning to life at high school is, is so tricky. For many of our girls, they've been the big kids at their primary schools, and so it can be confronting to be the small fish when they start at high school. There's a lot of information to process when you start at a big school like Girls' Grammar. Uh, the most common question I'm asked by families is whether they should hire tutors to support their daughter's English development, for instance. Mm. And my answer to this one is always the same. I think as teachers, you know, we're the ones in the classroom with the girls every day, sometimes for up to two years. We come to know them very well as learners, what they can do, the areas they can focus on to improve, you know, the, the very particular aspects of their literacy that we can hone together. In many cases, we've also you know, written the assessment tasks and we know what the pieces should look like. So my message to families is to trust in teachers. Encourage girls to make a time to speak with us so that, that we can strategise for an upcoming piece or, or pour over the feedback on a, a previous task together. So what sort of strategies, when you're talking to these families, articulating how the teachers approach it, what strategies do they employ to take the fear out of receiving that feedback? And mm. I am talking about the students, of not course. just the parents. But it's true. It's often, there's a lot of emotion attached to that feedback, and particularly if it relates to performance and assessment items. So what sort of strategies do your teachers, particularly in English, use to take that stigma mm. away from it? I don't think that feedback is ever something to fear. It's what helps us improve and achieve our goals. And if we approach the feedback process expecting the worst and, and fearing criticism, then of course it's going to feel overwhelming and threatening and uncomfortable. I try to talk about feedback as though it's a gift. And who doesn't you know, love receiving a present that's been really thoughtfully customised and really carefully delivered? For us in the English faculty, feedback is all about culture and culture building. We choose to foreground and emphasise the value of feedback right from Year 7 and provide really specific ways for girls to action it. Reflection sheets, letters to their future selves, the list kind of goes on. We try to normalise feedback so that it's a really routine and natural part of our teaching. Always about the work at a point in time, never any kind of personal attack or personal affront. We try to schedule plenty of opportunities along the way for self and peer assessment and peer feedback too, and notice as the girls you know, read and listen so earnestly so that they can offer their friends really well-considered and, and critical advice. As a class, we have students critique imperfect models of writing and watch as they devise alternative, kind of more effective approaches, I guess. We know that turning feedback into a teaching activity can develop students' understanding of the task, but it also signals that feedback is so much more important, Jacinda, than a one-off event at the end of the term. You know, after the assessment is already done and dusted, what's the, what's the mm -hmm. point in something like that? We also model what it looks like as teachers to be recipients of that feedback. We try to think and write in real time and, and have the girls offer suggestions for our improvement. 
I think it feels kind of risky when we're supposed to be the experts, right? But so it's a vulnerable thing to do, but I think it typically pays dividends as well. It all signals to the girls that everyone benefits from feedback and that good writing comes with multiple drafts, collective input, really careful editing. So David, what has been the most significant feedback that you've ever received? I vividly remember being in year four and sitting between my parents at a parent-teacher interview. We were seated in the classroom right in front of the teacher's desk, just like in all the movies. And I remember the teacher telling my parents that although I was polite and I could certainly write well, I was a hopeless problem solver in mathematics. Mm. And when you have a moment like that, you know, being mm. told that you're hopeless at something, you feel almost kind of ashamed. You go through school believing that you'll never be good at that thing, like problem solving for me just wasn't my forte. And so it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy, doesn't it? The lesson for me was that teacher feedback can be so incredibly powerful. It has the potential to shape a student's entire self-perception. I don't think the significance of the feedback fully occurred to me, though, until I was studying in the US. And I desperately wanted to take a statistics course on educational assessment. But I just became so paralysed by doubt. You know, what if I couldn't keep up with my classmates? Or what if this world-class professor just asked me to drop his course? What then? What would that Mm. look like? But I let go of all of that in the end. I took the class, I doubled down, I worked twice as hard. I learned so much about educational assessment, but also about myself when I just stopped worrying if I was good enough. That is an extremely moving and I guess just cuts to the heart of what it is to be a teacher. A single word using hopeless, for example. It is extraordinary how we live under those labels sometimes for decades beyond and highlights, of course, the sensitivity that's required around feedback. It's important to have full and frank feedback, otherwise it's not in any way useful. And, and I think increasingly young people are looking for direct feedback. Sometimes we sugarcoat too much, but it's done sensitively and with a, a genuine care for how this shapes the learner's perception of themselves. Mm. So David, listen, you've written obviously a lot about noticing learning and the importance of feedback in the junior years, but to, you know, I guess a layperson, what on earth does noticing learning mean? And I suggest you might even mention its Harvard origins. Noticing learning um, for us at Girls Grammar is a really excellent initiative that the school's implemented in year seven um, across a wide range of subjects actually. Rather than providing grades on on student work from day one, we really strive to prioritise high quality feedback. And not just on on formal hand-in tasks, but but also just on the everyday learning activities. The goal is to have students understand who they are as learners, to know their strengths and their growth edges. There's a really lovely focus on personal bests and, and less comparison between students. We try to promote a love of learning rather than simply preparing for the next task. I guess more than anything, we want our younger students to settle into their studies at Girls' Grammar and not feel the pressure of grades the minute they're in the door. We hope that one of the happy consequences will, of course, be the uncoupling of assessment with with anxiety and perfectionism and those kinds of things. And feedback from parents and girls has been really incredibly positive and it makes for such a lovely start to high school. It's quite a a path they travel though, isn't it? They come into secondary and you want them to love learning for its own sake, to receive feedback, to be inquisitive, to take risks and just that shift as it becomes more serious going into, in terms of assessment, into the senior years. It's quite a difficult balance, isn't it, to maintain that academic culture across the whole school. Obviously, as they move into the senior years, what does noticing learning mean there, particularly given the very specific nature of assessment 
in our new ATAR system when they get into years 11 and 12? That's a really good question, Jacinda. I think in the summative high stakes world of, of years 11 and 12, <laughs> unfortunately, we don't quite have the same luxury, do we? No. One of the challenges in, in senior English in particular is the four separate tasks, a bit like a silo. The girls sometimes don't see the, the interrelatedness of each task or the patterns and the features that tasks have in common with each other. And so we really try to ensure that the feedback also has a feed forward function. While a persuasive speech on an ethical issue might look like it has no relevance to an essay about, say, women's voices in Jane Eyre, it's the feedback on aspects like rhetorical devices or signposts that students can kind of carry forward with them into future tasks. We've also implemented practice writing opportunities where, where students have unlimited access to feedback so that they might begin to work towards subject mastery. It's pleasing to see that even just by the second or the third iteration or the third go at something, girls are well on the way towards achieving that, that kind of mastery just by applying the feedback. I've noticed that the feedback I offer in Year 11 work becomes a kind of almost an inner voice for students so that when they write and self-edit in year 12 I can I can sometimes almost see myself reflected back at me on the page. And it is the reality of life that we always work within constraints and it's just about finding the joy and the integrity in the education that we're delivering I think within those constraints. And 100%. I'm, yeah I know you <laughs> struggle with that and find a beautiful happy medium where there's rigour but also joy and a certain freedom in the girl's ability to think. But certainly if we go back again to assessment and your passion for understanding the importance of it when you go to approach a piece of work you're going to sit down you're going to mark a student's work how do you approach that is there a do you have kind of a formula a particular process that you follow is it very particular and personal to the student whose work is in front of you how do you approach it Across the school, there are lots of different approaches, I guess, to providing feedback on student work. The way colleagues in science, you know, feedback on a report in physics may look very different, say, to, to my feedback on a Year 7 narrative. Sometimes the, the syllabus documents even prescribe what feedback should look like in our different discipline areas across the school, especially in the older years. When I approach the task of giving feedback... Um, I have this personal mantra that I alluded to in my article published on the school's website. I kind of call it the four T's, Jacinda. So much of the educational research tells us that feedback should be timely, targeted and transparent. The final piece of the puzzle, the real game changer in my view though, is thinking about feedback as a two-way process, the last of those four T's. I offer advice to my students about their work. Assessment really reveals important insights to me about about my work and about my teaching. So if I, if I don't look at my students' writing, say, until you know, their final assignment is due or the final week of term, I've potentially missed so many opportunities along the way to, to intervene and to support or to make those really critical midstream adjustments to my practice. And noticing those details about the way that girls work or, or asking them to articulate something aloud is all really useful formative assessment. It's data in its own way too, isn't it? And sometimes we'll even survey students about our teaching of the course or about the content just to make sure that we've, we've had that right impact and that we're delivering on all that we've set out to achieve. I think that is a lovely introduction to perhaps hearing from the students and how they approach assessment. Alexis and Millie, your Year 11 students, very keen English students too, I might add, but today we're talking about assessment. How do you feel when you see your assessment feedback, Millie? Do you feel apprehensive or do you feel excited? Generally, how do you respond to it? Well, it's always pretty nerve-wracking because 
it's your work, you're putting yourself out there a little bit. Mm. And especially in the older years, we've started getting tons of feedback. So you get something back and it's absolutely scribbled on. You have to take a moment and just read through it, take a breath, and then it's always really exciting that you can move on to the final product. So that scribbling is your teacher trying to do everything they possibly can to improve your work. So do you actually read it all? Yeah, always. You can't just leave that really good, helpful, quality information. You've got to take it all in. And that's the teacher's greatest desire when they spend all that time and they put all mm. that care in. They just hope deeply that you read it, think about it and respond to it because it's all about helping you to improve. What about you, Alexis? How do you respond? How do you feel when someone's about to say, here we are, we're about to give you some feedback? Well, initially it's a bit nerve-wracking because it's your work that you're putting out and you've put effort into it so they're going to be it's something you really care about well I know knowing me and definitely my peers we all care about the work that we've put forward so I know that the feedback we get given is something very useful and we all take that into consideration so it's good when you see a lot of feedback because obviously you're thinking oh maybe I've done something really wrong but when you actually read it you know that your teacher's just trying to do the best for you and just trying to give you as much feedback as you can to achieve the best you can for yourself. That's right, Alexis. And you just mentioned peers. So I guess my question there is, do you ever give peer feedback in class? And is that a useful way if you do use it? So with peer feedback, it's something that's kind of difficult sometimes because obviously you don't want to be mean or say something that could hurt your friend's opinion if it's something that they've put a lot of effort into Mm. but I think it is really useful because we're all in this together we're all doing the same kind of task and we want to do the best for ourselves but also help our friends do the best they can as well so Mm. it can be really useful but kind of difficult at the same time. Yeah manage sensitively and 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 what about you Millie has has it been helpful to receive peer feedback and how do you approach giving it? Peer feedback is definitely something that's really valuable and we've just started doing it more often in the later years at school and I think it's more about just trusting yourself and your peers that we do know the task and that we can give some valuable feedback and be a good resource for each other. And what about from your teachers? Have you, if you think about it, Millie, has there been a particularly useful piece of feedback that you've ever received? Is there something that sort of sticks out in your mind as really setting you off on a new path or was particularly helpful? When I think back, definitely when my teachers have put a lot of trust and respect in me, in their positive feedback and saying that, you know, you do know this task and you are quite aware of how you can improve next time and giving that responsibility on me for my work, I think that is really helpful and that really improved my confidence in myself and my work. And so I think what you're suggesting there too, sometimes we think about feedback as always inherently negative, but in fact what you're talking about is the value of receiving positive feedback and affirmation and that being a bit more of a foundation so that when you do need some more direct or negative feedback, you've got that relationship of trust with your teacher. Is that how you experience it, Millie? Yeah, definitely. Trust between teacher and student is so important and you see that in feedback a lot. 
What about you, Alexis? Has there been any feedback that's been particularly valuable for you? I definitely agree with what Millie has said about the trust and the relationship with the teacher. When I'm thinking about the feedback I've received, just this year actually some feedback stands out to me. So it was an economics assignment. So I got a lot of feedback that was critiquing everything I've done. It was very detailed, which was really important. But at the same time, I got the affirmation and I got the confirmation that I was capable for the task. And I think just getting the support and just the feedback that I know what I'm doing, I'm very capable of what I can do. And having the teacher believe in me for what I'm able to achieve was very valuable. Good for your confidence and, yeah, and how you saw yourself as a student. So yeah. you now are getting, as you say, into the senior area of the school, year 11. There's a greater intensity and there's a greater focus on assessment and feedback. But if you look back to some of the younger students, so someone coming into year seven, what sort of advice would you have to them about how they seek and how they receive feedback? Alexis, have you got any thoughts? My advice would be just use their feedback, use your peers, use your support and ask as many questions as you have. Don't ever be afraid to ask a question if you have it because your teacher will be very willing to help you. Thank you Millie and Alexis for your very wise advice and also lovely to see how open you are to receiving feedback. Thank you. Thank you. So David, we've heard a little from the girls, our students, what their views on assessment might be, but what sort of advice would you have for them in terms of the best ways they can respond to feedback, particularly that feedback that they find difficult, and I guess most specifically in your particular area, which is English? I think it's important to remember that feedback is really just the start of the conversation. If it sits in a folder in our compactus without any follow-up or discussion, it's such a missed opportunity. I always love receiving emails from the girls asking if they can go back over a piece of assessment from earlier in the year so that they can remind themselves of, of that key feedback. We have this beautiful spacious area outside the English staff room where we can have those really important and, and customised bespoke conversations with the girls. It requires them, I guess, to be a little bit more proactive and to adopt a growth mindset that it's all about embracing feedback. I'm not such a fan of the word journey, but I, I do certainly think of our work as a kind of six-year plan. We make sure that we have repetition of genres from year seven right through to year 12, for example, so that even if the texts change or the focus changes, we're building those foundational skills right the way through and revisiting them as girls move through the school. It means that by the time they're in year 12, some things are just revision. Maybe it's persuasive devices or topic sentences or how to write a sound script. But we've always got that kind of bigger picture in mind and we hope that the girls do too. And I think, David, we talk about that feedback as you have articulated so beautifully there for the girls and also from the girls. But of course, that other area of feedback might be peer-to-peer. And if you think of the evolution of, I guess, a, a classroom over the decades, teachers have traditionally been quite siloed, masters of their domain, the door closes, they're in a room with this beautiful environment of their own class. But there has certainly in the past been perhaps a reluctance 
to receive feedback themselves from their fellow teachers. I think that's certainly changed and it's certainly changed a lot around here. Yeah, Yeah. thank goodness because we're missing out on extraordinarily um, important feedback and guidance and professional learning. But how do teachers provide feedback to each other constructively in your view and, and how important is that feedback to improving teaching practice? Our English faculty really values those professional conversations. Our lunchtime table is is absolutely a place of lively chatter about the text that we're teaching or about our pedagogical approaches. It's a really safe space to to explore ideas and ask questions and to to give and, and receive feedback of each other. We love to laugh together. It's built on a really respectful and trusting relationship. Many of our newer teachers and and even some of our more established ones, I'd add, see these conversations not just as as really fun, but also as as rewarding and valuable professional learning. Our little English community comes together to build common knowledge that improves all of our practice. And importantly, it models a way of working and one that embraces feedback. We also have some well-established internal moderation processes where we quality assure judgments and reach common understandings about student work and student achievement. We support newer teachers in the process by mentoring them about their practice as well. And so that those moderation processes aren't just seen as sort of some kind of burden or add-on or additional thing they have to do, um, we want them to see them as an opportunity really to take the temperature or to check in or to, to adjust their practice in much the same way that we ask of the girls when reviewing their feedback as well. This kind of approach also builds a kind of cohesive teacher team and confidence amongst the girls. As a team, all of us are working together behind the scenes to to help the girls achieve their goals, designing teaching resources together or consulting each other about assessment ideas and plans, cross-marking and check-marking our work, liaising with one another around the most effective ways to, to prepare students for the task. And so when our girls, you know, ask their teacher a question, really they're asking the entire teaching team a question and it's our delight really to to be able to assist them where we can. I guess beyond the English faculty, Jacinda, as a school community, we have an open doors approach, you know, to to review and to renew our professional practice with each other. We schedule time to visit each other's classes, to, you know, within our faculties but also beyond, trying to review and and provide advice to each other on pedagogy and resource development and all those kinds of really fun things that teachers love to talk about you know I've got the opportunity if I want to to observe art lessons and be as inspired by the art teachers as as you know the girls are. I think we began our conversation there was a beautiful quote about trust in the teacher you have just articulated a beautiful concept where in fact each of those girls in each of those classes has a whole multitude of experience amongst the English staff and I've never heard it expressed like that that is a beautiful concept I would like to say thank you for your time today. You bring great intellect, a great passion, not just for teaching, but most particularly for the importance of English. And on this occasion, thank you for talking about the gift of assessment as you've described it with us today. My pleasure. Thank you, Jacinda. You have been listening to Illumin, a podcast by Brisbane Girls Grammar School. Music for this podcast was written and performed by Year 12 student Alicia Singh. To ensure you never miss an episode of Illumin, please subscribe on iTunes or Google Play. And to learn more about the school, visit the website at www.bggs.qld.edu.au.